podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Lord Almighty, I feel my temperature rising. Mm-hmm. Football fever is burning through to my soul. Yeah. Cats, 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 you're going to set me on fire. Mm-hmm. My brain is flaming, but I know just where to go. Yeah, the season's kicking off and the bill will be a rockin'. And Bosco Point are talking purple love. Purple love. Bosco Point. Oh, just a hunk of hunk of purple love. And just a hunk of hunk of purple love. Boom, the boys are back, and I'm going to try to do something creative for the first time in probably three years on this show, and that is bring together three of my favorites from what I'm calling the K-State fan cast realm for the first ever K-State fan cast around the horn. No, this is not an original idea. This TV show has been running on ESPN and ESPN2 for like 30, no, not 30, like 20 years. And someone else told me they were thinking about doing this. They weren't doing it. And I said, hey, can I steal it from you? And they said, yes. So here I am. I'm the host. I'm going to try my best not to interject my own opinions into this. But if anyone's ever listened to a live show, you guys know I probably will anyways. Your inaugural guests and competition or competitors, because yes, this is going to be a vaguely competitive conversation. Starting off as I'm looking at them in the top left corner from the Aggieville Alley Cats, repping Washburn University Law School, Ace Edwards. Ace Edwards from the Aggieville Alley Cats. Welcome to the first ever K State fan cast. Pardon the interruption. You want to say anything before I intro the others? No, I'm just I'm just happy to be here today, and I apparently have a signature beverage now, and that is what I'm sipping. Yes, uh, as seen on this man's podcast, uh, he's sucking down a Mike's Hard Lemonade. This guy in my lower right-hand corner is one-third of the Cocaine Willie podcast. He's come on for, I think, the second ever, maybe the first ever uh, bonehead Q&A episode last offseason. He is in Denver, Colorado, and has a great backdrop. The man, the myth, the legend. I'm going to try not to use his actual name because we have someone with similar kind of name. It is Bob Trollsby. Bob Trollsby repping the Aggieville Alley, or repping the Cocaine Willie. It had to be you or Matt's because Chef has horrible internet, so he could never participate in this. Uh, so yeah, we can't, Bob, we can't, can't trust Chef. I'm I'm doing well, Scott. It's a pleasure to be back. Thank you for having me. It's going to be a fun night. And his first ever episode, you know, he, I mean, maybe I'm I'm kind of selling him short, saying he's part of the fan cast realm, but he's doing stuff over at Heartland College Sports. He has a thriving YouTube page. If you're not watching all of his stuff and subscribing, you're missing out for his inaugural appearance on Bosco's Boys. We got Joe Tillery. Joe, welcome to the show, my friend. Dude, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Glad to make the debut and start off hot. Yes, definitely. So 
Uh, we're going to get into it for the folks at home who maybe have or haven't watched Around the Horn. I'm going to score this. It's going to be only my opinion. You guys can tell me I'm wrong. But we're going to have three different segments, three topics in each segment. And I'm going to decide who basically talked the best, who convinced me of their opinion. They might have the same opinion, but whoever presents it better, they're going to get the points. At the end of it, they will get to stand alone at the top and address you, the boneheads, saying anything they want. I'm going to try to keep it around a similar timeline, but you guys know me. I'm all over the place. The first thing we're going to start is headlines. Jerome Tang has a new seven-year contract. Again, as long as things go correctly, he's probably not going to see the end of that contract. But since it's a seven-year contract out there, I'm going to ask you, and I'm starting with you, Ace, what would a seven-year, a successful seven-year run look like for Jerome Tang? See, I think this is a really interesting question because what I would consider a success and what Jerome Tang would consider a success are two very different things. If you're asking me, successful seven years of Tang basketball would include a few different things, which includes making the tournament about probably six out of seven or five out of seven times and not being one and done in the majority of those, at least one Big 12 regular season title and finally winning in hell, also known as Allen Fieldhouse. But if you were to ask Tang, he probably wouldn't be satisfied unless he got to the moon. He wants multiple five-star guys to commit, and he won't be satisfied until he brings K-State a national title. And if you're asking my opinion, I think he could be the guy to do it, but I wouldn't go as far as to say that's a mandate for success in my personal book. All right, we'll go to Bob Trollsby next. Bob, you heard what Ace had to say. I think we all agree Jerome Tang's not going to call anything a success until he has a parade in Manhattan. But for you, what would a successful seven-year run look like for K-State basketball and Jerome Tang? Yeah, for me, it's natty or bust. I think he set the bar incredibly high in year one, and and I understand he had two All-Americans on that team. But this next year's team is going to be deeper from top to bottom than last year's. And I think if he hadn't made it to the Elite Eight in year one and having to recruit essentially an entire roster from scratch, with the exception of Marquise Noel and Ish Masood, then my expectations would probably be a little bit lower. It would probably be more in line with, hey, I hope your your floor is higher than, than Bruce Weber's floor was, while having some of the same highs that he had of you know, two big 12 championships and elite eight run, uh, which he's already checked the box on the elite eight run. So I think it's natty or bust from my, from my perspective, he set that bar high. He told us fans that we should expect to win. So I expect that from this team and from the staff full stop. There we go. Setting the bar pretty high, Joe, I'm going to come to you again. You kind of talked about it. One of your uh, first YouTube videos that took off was a video about Naquan Tomlin, who's going to be the focal point for this team. So over the next seven years, what does a successful run look like for you? Well, I agree, but I also want to backpedal a little bit on the Natty or Bus conversation because I know there is a ton of fans that they all feel the energy, and I know I do too, as well as you guys, how exciting of a time it is to be a Kansas State fan, whether it be basketball or football at the moment. Both have coaches that can get you to a national title. However, I will pump the brakes in the sense that I almost feel like a successful seven-year campaign here like we all know, and none of you guys would disagree with this, I would expect, this isn't going to be Jerome Tang's last contract in Manhattan. I mean, if you get to the 2027 season, 2020, even 2026 as early as then, if you have another two or three years of just continued success, maybe not in Elite Eight every single year, but if you're out there competing for a Big 12 title and you're in that top two to three teams with the conference that houses a team like Kansas or a team that has you know Houston in the league, I think that it's really about the Big 12 championship aspect and then continuing to drive up the recruits, drive up the culture in Manhattan. 
I mean, you saw it, and I won't go too much longer. I apologize for rambling, but getting caught up in it. So I think the biggest thing you see is it changes the culture of what it means to be in the octagon of doom. I mean, Jerome Tang has already strengthened that home environment to a place where Kansas State is giving the lo- is getting the love it deserves at a national level, being one of these college arenas that everybody has to go to and experience. You know, I think that when we talk about national championships, it's just one where I'd say that we're going ha- to have that parade. But even with a coach like Bill Self, he's got a 20-year career, and they've got two to show for it. So putting the timeline of seven years isn't where I want to jump to yet, but I know he is more than capable, and it wouldn't surprise me if he does get to that point. Okay, uh, I read the contract. Uh, he gets the exact same bonus for a Big 12 championship and a Big 12 tournament championship. So this isn't in the outline. I just want to let I want to ask you guys right now, if he wins a Big 12 tournament championship, is that something that moves the needle for you at all? Or if that happens, hey, it's not even a footnote when you are grading out the next seven years ace real quick for me. I'd say it's not nearly as notable as anything else he could accomplish, but it would be something to add to the resume and add to the general you know, vibes of K-State basketball. Bob Trollsby. If they're handing out rings for it like Iowa State and Texas, then then I mean sure. But but at the same time, no, I don't I don't value a Big 12 tournament championship the same way I value an actual regular season conference championship. So to Ace's point, I would agree that I think it's more or less a footnote. It's something to add to the resume, but it's not the end all be all. Joe, where's your stance on that? I once again kind of in the middle on this front. It doesn't move the needle in the sense more than a regular season Big 12 basketball title. But what it does matter to me in the sense that this conference is going to continue to get so much better over the next couple of years with more teams added. And if you're able to climb to that mountain, and I'm not saying, you know, get t-shirts printed, give rings out, but if you can take down Kansas, Houston, and get to that point, odds are you're probably going to be a top two seed in the country if you can run through that pending K-State not being a seven or eight seed in that tournament. You know, if you're in the one to four range, you can really jump up into March. And I think that would be a good achievement under his belt. All right, let's move on to the next one. We're at the 25% spot on the college football season. Again, this season flies by and it makes me a little depressed to think about. But K-State is 3-1, and one, but 1-0 one and oh in the Big 12. Let's get a vibe check. Where are you guys at at this four-game mark going into the bye week, starting with Bob Trollsby? Where's the vibes at if you're judging things? I think vibes-wise, I'm more or less cautiously optimistic. Like like you've said on pretty much every Bosco's Boys so far, the, the Big 12 championship is still on the table by all means. We're at the same point that we kind of were last year with the loss to Tulane. And so realistically, when you look at the the makeup of the Big 12 this season, there's really only about four or five teams that realistically have a shot to win the conference championship. So I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm obviously a little bit concerned about some of the injuries that we've had and how that's going to play a role. I think this team is going to have a a really, a really well-timed bye week this week to try to get right and get healthy heading into Stillwater. But I'm still very optimistic, just a little, little bit of caution there. We'll go to Joe next. Joe, one and own the Big 12. That's the big thing for me, but a devastating loss to Missouri. Where vibes at from your perspective? You know what? I'm going to jump the gun. My vibes are riding high. You know, it might not be a sunny and 75 situation, but I'll take a sunny and 86 degrees outside. It'll be okay. You know, I don't want to sit in the sun for that long, but uh, I think the vibes are riding high knowing that the only team in the conference right now that's playing their best ball, I expect you guys to agree with that, is Texas. You know, I mean, there's arguments to be made that Oklahoma has played good at times, and there's other schools like Kansas looks really good, but I don't think any team but Texas has really hit their 
you know, quote unquote ceiling at this point in the year, there's still definitely time. There's still optimism towards a big 12 championship. And I think if you need more elements of that or any type of reason to back that up, like going into that Texas game in Austin, I still feel confident that Kansas state could pull off that win. And that alone is enough to propel me and keep the vibes moving forward. Obviously sucked to lose to Missouri, but I don't feel as bad as maybe everybody else does at this point in the season. I just have a lot of confidence in Chris Kleiman to get the job done. We'll go to the guy who uh, half of his heartmate maybe was happy with that Missouri loss, and we're just going to leave it at that and run right past it. Ace, what are the vibes like sitting at 3-1, and one, but that 1-0 uh, mark tied for top of the 12 and having a slight little laugh? I'm going to say it was significantly less than half and I still received DMs asking me to become an MU show. I'm actually feeling really quite good about it. Like I'm not like sunshine and roses, but I actually feel quite nice. There are, there are a lot of flaws with this team, like, you know, deep ball accuracy, explosiveness in the offense. But here's the thing with both of those is that they're not issues that can't be ironed out. There is no flaw with this. There's no inherent flaw with this team say like a, you know, KU's defense, for example, or uh, Art Bryle showing up on Oklahoma's sidelines. There's no fundamental issue with K-State that cannot be fixed. The biggest concern with me lies in the secondary, which bounces between some of the worst luck in the country to some really questionable misplays. But even then, that can be fixed with just, you know, look, Kleiman says it a lot, keeping your eyes where they need to be, keeping the eye discipline. We also have a pretty soft schedule. You can make a pretty convincing argument that UCF is the second best team that we have left on our schedule. Tech isn't good, and they're down their starting quarterback. Oklahoma State is a Greek tragedy at this point. And TCU was having a slightly down year. So there's, there's no reason the worst game left on our schedule is Texas. And you can still probably drop the Texas game in Austin and make it to Arlington. So the vibes for me are great. I like it. I like it. And before the final uh, topic of segment one headlines, the vibes are always high at Manhattan Brewing Company. Again, I spent a lot of time there before that UCF game, maybe a little bit too much time as my dad may attest to as he saw me in the parking lot walking up to the stadium. I was there with Grant KSU, former co-host and co-founder of Bosco's Boys, and it was great. I absolutely love all their beers. They have the best pumpkin beer in the world, Pumpkin Batch. If you can't find it at a local liquor store, be nice, but be firm and ask for it. And then every time you're in Manhattan, get a couple pints, get a couple four-packs to go, and some Crowlers. Some of the best staff in all of Manhattan. They had the games on. It is the spot to be. Again, hey, it's a bye week. Or is Kellis? Kellis is going to be pissed if he's listening. It's not a bye week. K-State is just off this week. Get in there, watch some games. They got some TVs on. They got great music as well. Get a couple pints and enjoy the off week. All right, final question in the headlines, and we're starting with Joe. Joe, we've seen the K-State schedule. We're not going to break it all down, but we have a couple big Monday games. We've got five Big 12 Saturday games. But I'm just going to ask you flat out, what is the best night of the week? for Big 12 basketball? Or what's the best time slot for Big 12 basketball? For all of Big 12 basketball, is going to be a little bit different. But for one specific game, if I have to watch that, give me a Saturday night at 8 p.m. I know it's late. I know you have to wait and kill some time between the day. But it's the best time, man. Come on, think about every rivalry matchup or any big game you're ready for. You can watch some college basketball, the 6.30 games, the 6 o'clock games, and ease your way into it, see what's going on in the league, see what's going on with some top 25 matchups, and then jump into your team at 8 
the game gets over 10 o'clock. I mean, it's not late enough that you can't go out if you do want to go in that situation. I think that's just the optimum time. I'm glad I got to go first because I'm interested to hear what you guys had to say on that front. We'll go to Ace next. Ace, when, you, when you're thinking Big 12 basketball, what is that time slot? What is that day? See, this is actually a change from the uh, the outline question. It's just a general basketball game. But still. Sorry. I think- well, okay. Come on. First off, uh, I don't appreciate that. Um, what, what, what did I say? The, no, I said, what's the best night for, okay. I changed it kind of, I said for a big 12, it changes game, the answer four of a basketball game. It doesn't change. I lie to you. It doesn't change the answer. Oh, the answer is Friday at 6. You just screwed yourself. Remember I'm, I'm the judge, jury and executioner here. So I don't worry. Don't I should worry. have muted him. Sorry, Joe. See, this is my first <laughs> time doing this. I should have muted you ACE. I should have put you in jail, but what's, what's the yeah. best night for best time slot? For a big you can't silence game. the voice of the people, Scott. But the Friday at 6 p.m. to me is like the ultimate time for any sporting event to me. And the main reason why I say that is because you get to open your weekend with some basketball. If you win, you get to ride the high the entire weekend. And if you lose, you can get really drunk and sleep in the Saturday with no responsibilities. Yeah, so I did mute Ace because we have not seen a Big 12 Friday night game in a really long time outside of the Big 12 tournament. Ace, I see you going crazy. I'm asking to unmute. Unmute yourself. What? 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 Go ahead. That's why the wording of the question is important. Oh, my God. Okay, That's Mr. why the wording Lawyer. of the question is important. Okay, Mr. Lawyer, <laughs> mute again. We're going to Bob Trollsby. Bob Trollsby. What is the best night for Big 12 basketball? Don't I mean, try to a, lawyer me. I, I, am, I am the judge of this show. I will put you in jail. This is a layup for me. I, I get Big Monday. I get to choose Big Monday out of the three of you. It, it doesn't get any better than Big Monday. And, and we're going to have that game in Bramlage against KU. I mean, I love the Saturday morning games. I love being able to watch like the, the basketball version of college game day. But Big Monday with the spotlight on your team, in prime time, it's killer. The students get get to show out every time that we have that. The alumni have plenty of time to get up to Manhattan for that game. Side note, finishing conference play with two rivalry games back-to-back is awesome. I just had to say that about this schedule before I go off. I love it. All right. Well, that is the end of round one. I am giving all three points to Bob Trollsby. We got Joe getting two and Ace. You might have had a shot, man. But no, you tried to get all lawyer with me, so you are getting one point. Yes, yeah, get, act act all like that, but that's that's the way it is. So through the first round, we got Bob Trolls with three, Joe with two, and Ace with one. All right, now it is time to move on to buy or sell. It is very simple. Hey, are you buying this concept or are you selling it? And you tell me why. Here's the first one, and I absolutely love it. And I'm going to give Ace a chance to redeem himself. You're going first, my friend. Buy or sell, DJ Giddens is the undisputed running back one, and Ward should be used as a true change of pace back instead of helping carrying the main load. Buy or sell? I'm buying all of that, honestly. DJ has the more generally complete skill set, and that's no disrespect to Treshawn Ward because Treshawn Ward is a good back in and of himself. But not only does DJ have the more complete skill set, he's also been in the program a little bit longer. And by a little bit, I mean two years longer than Treshawn Ward has. So I'm buying every bit of that, especially considering that he is a local product from Kansas. 
So not only do you have someone who knows the offense, not only do you have an explosive player who has a surprising amount of moves, at least if you ask foundation users, and you also get a generally complete receiving back with a little bit of twitch, a little bit of power. You get everything with DJ Giddens. And not only is he the undisputed running back one, he has the opportunity to be a legitimate day two draft pick. There we go. We'll go to Bob Trollsby next. Bob, what is your take? Buy or sell? DJ Giddens is your undisputed running back one. I'm buying DJ Giddens. I think there's some specific situations or specific plays that with, with Ward's skill set and what he's able to do, I think I think that's how we should use him. But Giddens, he's proven that he can handle being that workhorse back, especially in that last game. And I, you know, ultimately, if he gets Boganowski to commit then I'll I'll feed him all day long just because of the Junction City connection. But I, that's all I have to say about that. A very rich tradition. Uh, you know, DJ Giddens because, becomes the second Junction City product to win a Big 12 Player of the Week after Ty Zimmerman won a couple during his time at K-State as well. Junction City Blue Jay project or uh, product, excuse me. And then we'll end this one with Joe. Joey, is it going to be a clean sweep for buying DJ Giddens as the undisputed RB1? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Absolutely spending my money on DJ Giddens. But I will say this. I don't think we've seen the right usage to this point of Treshawn Ward. And I know he's been banged up with injuries, but you got to understand. And Chris Kleiman talked about it in one of the postgame pressers. It's still such a recent pairing between Treshawn Ward and Kansas State that you know, you didn't have him during the summer for certain work because he didn't have him early in spring because he was banged up. I don't know if this coaching staff 100% knows how best to use the tandem of running backs yet. I will say as a true third down back, I think Treshawn fits that really well. And that's no slight to DJ. I think DJ obviously is your first down back. He's your second down back. He's your entire team if you wanted to be. That guy is more than capable of doing anything. But I think the idea that he doesn't have to consistently be that workhorse is going to be big. For DJ, because using him, you know, he had 40 touches, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, in this past week or something, Correct. you know, 37 yep. or so. So that sustainability, while it is possible, it's going to put a ton more mileage on the player rather than being able just to switch things up, give DJ a break so you don't have to see any lapses in that production, even though he's more than capable. There we go. We're going to move on to buy or sell number two. And this is an interesting one. There are two teams that can pr- prevent a Red River showdown rematch in the Big 12 championship game. It is your Kansas State Wildcats. And is it the Kansas Jayhawks? We're starting with Bob. Bob, buy or sell. K-State and KU, the Sunflower connection, the only thing that can stop a Red River match or uh, Red River replay in Arlington. I am buying the Ad Astra, whatever you want to call it, uh, alliance here. I'm convinced that this year is going to be the most fun and quality competitive Sunflower Showdown that we've had in years. And I say quality because 2018 was not two quality teams playing against each other. But I think aside from playing with their food against Nevada, KU's looked pretty solid in every other game that they've played so far this season. I think if they can stay healthy, they can potentially even go in and shock Texas this weekend. I'll have my eyes on their matchup against against Texas and Austin this weekend. I'm also going to have my eyes on their matchup against OU and Lawrence uh, a month from now. So I'm going to keep my eyes on those things, but I really do think that KU and K-State right now are the two best teams that have a chance to, to prevent the nightmare scenario. All right, we'll go to Joe next. Joe, by yourself, K-State and KU, the only two who can stop a Red River rematch. Yeah, I'm buying it. I am absolutely buying it. I think that 
early in the season, if you would have said that, I would have sold on that fact just for the sheer fact that I think all of us kind of unanimously expected Texas Tech to be this, you know, dark horse, almost sleeping giant team that could contend for a title. But now as you see, as you're seeing it, Kansas has been significantly more impressive than I anticipated coming into the season, even though they have the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year in the preseason media poll. They've got some things going on there. Kansas State, for the reasons we've already talked about, the Wildcats are that team. You can't eliminate the reigning champions at this point in the season. You know, you've got two of the best running backs in the state of Kansas with Devin Neal and DJ Giddens already confirmed. And then both of those guys have solid backups behind them as well. The pass attack is solid for both teams. And I think the biggest change that you'll see is Kansas. And I'll jump on Kansas. The confidence level that they should have heading into Austin is going to be different than any team has in the Big 12. It's almost the same degree to the Oklahoma game in Lawrence. I mean, two years ago, there's that storyline where they closed the gates, everybody had left, and then they put on social media, hey, we're back open. This game is close. Everybody come back. And fans rushed back to the stadium. I think if there's a team that has the confidence to do it, it's these two, but they're both different reasons. One being a former champ of the Big 12 last season with a coaching staff that you know can get you that win. And the other one being a team that's done it before or has gotten really close and is going to be absolutely circling that on their calendar. All right, we'll go to Ace Edwards again. Ace, buy or sell. Sunflower Showdown, the only two who can prevent a Red River rematch in Arlington. Yeah, no, I'm selling. I, I think that there are more than two teams that can prevent this. And it has very little to do with Texas because I, I don't think KU has a prayer in Austin. Granted, I'm a famous KU opinion haver uh, on multiple issues, but I think that UCF and TCU are more than capable of knocking OU down at least once. And I have no faith in KU doing the same thing to Texas or OU. K-State very well could beat Texas. I don't, I wouldn't chalk it up as likely, but it also probably wouldn't keep Texas out of Arlington because their, their schedule is literally Charmin ultra soft. It is horribly easy, but I just don't have any faith in KU being the other team to do it. I think the better choice would be UCF, despite how the fourth and third quarters sort of panned out for them against K-State. There we go. I'm glad we had at least one disagreement. The final one, we're going back to basketball. Buy or sell, K-State basketball finishes in the top four of this conference, which could be, again, the greatest conference of basketball playing schools in the history of the game. They will finish top four this season. We're starting with Joe. Joe, buy or sell that? Absolutely. All my money, buying it. And if I lose all my money, we'll talk about that in the future. But I am buying this for sure. I've kind of had this philosophy, and it's not something that I started by any means. So putting that off my hands right now. But the idea when you watch college teams, it's the same reason that UConn won the national championship this year. You have NBA-level dudes on the court at multiple different positions. We all are kind of sitting in the same spot with Kansas State where – We see what they have on paper. We've seen in the overseas trip what they can be, but none of us know 100% they're going to be the best team in the league or top two or three. But what I do have going for it, like you saw last season, you had Marquise Noel, you had Keontae Johnson, both NBA players, and you had a version of Naquan Tomlin that could grow into an NBA player. This team is deeper. They're more athletic. They're faster, more physical. And you've got a guy like Tyler Perry who can be the best point guard in the country and follow up a Bob Cousy award winner in Marquise Noel. You can do that in a second straight year. Naquan Tomlin already getting some first-round NBA buzz last year into now. I think it's just going to be a question of how do the next guys develop? I mean, Arthur Kaluma, we all know he is an absolute dog. 
I like where we're at with this team. And I think the top four spots, I think Kansas State's got a spot in there. We'll go to Ace next. Ace, buy or sell K-State basketball finishing in the top four again this season. I'm buying it. I Because look at where K-State finished last year. They finished third last year with a roster that was significantly more top-heavy and had a few inexplicable hiccups like the second half of Texas at home. I think, and it was mentioned earlier by, I believe, both Bob and Joe, that top to bottom, this roster is more talented than the roster last year. This roster has at least comparable star power in Arthur Kaluma, Tyler Perry, and Naquan Tomlin coming back. With Naquan Tomlin even sneaking into some lottery pick discussions on Twitter and NBA media. The biggest threats in terms of who would knock K-State out of that list would be Cincinnati and Houston. But even if you're kicking one of them up above, that's still a top four ranking for K-State. So I, I'm i similar to Joe. I would put just about all of my money on K-State finishing top four this year just because of the roster and how the staff has sort of maintained consistency as well, which I don't think as many people expected the staff to stick together. I think a few people were expecting RIP, a few pieces Kevin of staff Sandy. to get. Yeah, well, that that's the one piece. I I think a lot of people were expecting most of the staff to get poached. So the fact that a lot of it was able to say, except for Kevin Sutton, I think is going to be huge for this team. All right, we'll finish with Bob Trollsby. Bob, are, are you going to kind of make it evident to me that I should have done a better job with buy or sell since uh, a lot of the same answers, but buy or sell K-State basketball finishes top four this season. I'm going to sell, but only because I've bought everything else and I want to stir the pot a little bit, if anything, and help temper my own expectations here. I I know Ace mentioned that we finished third last year, but this is a conference that is adding Houston to the mix and they're going to be a top four team from day one. So the team's added some great depth, obviously. I, I said earlier from top to bottom, This team is deeper uh, than last year's team, but you are also missing two All-Americans, which that that is a very, very unique situation for K-State basketball when you look at at teams historically uh, that we've had. So I think this team will make another deep tournament run. I Simply due to numbers in the conference now, adding in a team the caliber of Houston, I think it's going to be harder to finish top four this year, but I can say that K-State can finish fifth, still go top 20 in the country, still finish in the Elite Eight or or higher. Uh, And realistically, with the depth that this league has and and will continue to be moving forward, adding the likes of Arizona, you know, I I think we can probably even expect like nine Big 12 teams to make the tournament this year, if not more, potentially. Well, that's all we have for Buy or Sell. Uh, we're grading this as much as I don't want to. Ace is getting three points because I agree with him. I think UCF and TCU will have a lot to be said about who is playing in Arlington. I still think both of those teams have the potential to get there. Uh, so I, I would have sold that one. Uh, we're going Bob second because I think K-State finishes fourth. But again, I don't think think it is as you know lockdown easy as uh you know hey we're third last year i i agree losing two all americans you got houston coming to town i think it's going to be tough even if you're a top five team in the big 12 that's a top five seed at a minimum in the ncaa tournament this year and joe hey you're really good but you know it is what it is my friend so gotta do better that's all it is well hey and you know what (laughs) you know what you were very close to getting second if bob would have just been like nope the top four, you, you probably would have gotten second. But we got Joe currently with 
three points. We got Bob Trollsby with five, and we got Ace up to four. We're going into our final one, and we are calling this Call Your Shots. And I have three very on-brand questions for Bosco's Boys. So for longtime listeners, all three of these questions and all three of these ideas are going to sound very familiar to you guys. But something that should be familiar to you is Charlie Hustle. I'm currently rocking an Arrowhead Collection crew neck sweatshirt. It is absolutely the most comfortable shirt, the most comfortable crew neck. And I see I see Bob Trollsby rocking a case. Hey, we got everyone except for Ace is rocking Charlie Hustle. That's all right. I'm going to send Ace some Charlie Hustle gear uh, because he deserves to look good and feel comfortable as well. Charlie Hustle, the most stylish, the most comfortable, and the best-looking stuff. It's going to hold up to washes. It's going to hold up to 90-degree weather or 9-degree weather. Charlie Hustle is where it's at, whether it's officially licensed K-State gear, the Arrowhead Collection, or Kansas City Landmarks, those awesome Casey Hart shirts. Hey, they even got uh, I'm in my red era shirts. I don't know why anyone would be talking about that. I have no idea what that even means, but apparently it's the hottest selling shirt in all of Kansas City. Yes, I see you, Ace. Yes, it's a Taylor Swift thing. Hey, Swifties, if you're listening, download every single episode of Bosco's Voice so we can hit our biggest month yet. So check out charliehustle.com, vintage made fresh. All right. I don't remember what order I put these in, but this is what we're starting with because guess what? Charlie Hustle's the best looking thing. And I want to talk about the best-looking K-State basketball uniforms in the Bob Huggins era and forward. We're not going to go super far back. Bob Huggins to present. What is the greatest K-State basketball uniform in that time period, starting with Ace? Ace, what do you got? Uh, you mentioned uh, you mentioned a little bit of Charlie Hustle, but uh, I, I think something that Charlie Hustle does really well is introduce lavender. I think lavender is a very beautiful color. So they and, have some lavender, and, and I'll also say this. Speaking of Taylor Swift, they had some lavender Casey uh, Hart stuff because apparently that's a big deal with Taylor Swift. Uh, it sold out because they dropped it at the same time as their new K-State refresh, so I think there were some mad Swifties in Kansas City for not getting that. Uh, but, yeah, sorry. Get back to it. Shout no, out to good. Charlie Hustle. <laughs> you're good, but on that same vein, I really got to go with the full lavenders. I think they look so unbelievably clean. And I think that basketball is like the one sport that I think could pull off the full lavenders. And I just like it because it's just rare enough to where you get to appreciate it and it's not overdone, but it's common enough to where it's not like you'll never see it again. Rest in peace to the Tulane football helmets. We are never seeing those bad boys again, which is a shame because they went hard. But full lavenders introduced recently, I think that's the best K-State basketball uniform. We're going up to Joe next. Joe, what do you consider the best K-State basketball uniform from the Huggins era on? Well, I would normally go to the Lavenders, so I'll give Ace credit on that one for going and picking the Lavenders. However, there is a beautiful jersey that we all know about. Everybody knows and loves it. The all-white with the subtle lavender down the stripes of the pants and the Wildcat scripts across the chest. There is something special about that Wildcat script and the subtleties of the lavender there are incredible. You know, you got to love it, the matching. I didn't want to go too much with the two-tone purple lavender. I'll leave that out there for somebody else. But I do think the important part about this is as you continue to talk 
jerseys. You continue to talk all the different things going on with football. Having a jersey that's almost modest with the use of the lavender is a great example for the football team to see and say, you know what? We can incorporate some of these designs without cursing ourselves with a helmet or going full lavender. I think that that idea works really well for Kansas State. And even though that I am a huge fan of all lavender, I mean, I'd dye myself lavender for a weekend if I had to. But I think the cool thing is that there's a lot of people that are just onboarding themselves now, jumping in on the subtle aspects of the lavender mixed with the white, can't beat the scripts. That's where I'm at on that front. I believe K-State football and the baseball team are going to be the only sports at K-State who have not worn a uniform with the Wildcat script on it after the women's basketball team rocks their new version of the big game grays. I think every other sport, volleyball, soccer, the track and field team, the golf team, I believe, has done it as well. Almost every single person, except for football and uh, baseball, have done a uniform with the Wildcats script. Shout out to Jason for bringing it back. All right, we're going to Bob Trollsby next. Bob, I saw you grab a media guide. Where are you going with this one, my friend? I'm going back to the cat scratch, baby. 0708. I mean, are you kidding me? You got to think about that team. You got to think about Michael Beasley and what was one of the greatest seasons in any K-State sports ever, honestly, with one of the greatest players to ever play the game, frankly, at the college level playing for K-State. Those uniforms were awesome. It brings back memories of us beating KU and Bramlage for the first time in God knows how many years. Uh, it's the it's the cat scratch for me. And, and, you know, I would love to see some sort of those elements brought back for a game. It'd be kind of cool to see that uh, work its way back into the front it's, at some point. I'd like to see that. I love that answer. I remember when they dropped those at Bob Huggins, uh, you know, open practice with Blake Young wearing the black ones and the shorts were almost touching the ground. Uh, so that is a, all all great answers. All great answers. Uh, let's go to the next one. Again, this is maybe one of the questions that have gotten the most heated reaction from me uh, in my podcasting career. But outside of Jacob Poland and Michael Beasley, who should be the next man up in the rafters of Bramlage Coliseum? We'll start with Bob on this one. Bob, who should go up? Well, he didn't end up wearing the uh, the cat scratch jerseys. And, and I think if we're not going to go back and recognize F.I. Reynolds and Frank Groves and some of those other old guys from 1917, 1937, I, I think it's going to have something that's not going to have anything to do with on the court performance. Where I'm going with this is I think we need to lean into this Trailblazers thing and this Trailblazers legacy, which has something as, as a seventh generation Kansas, seven generations of my family have lived in the state of Kansas. I'm super proud of the free state legacy. I'm super proud of kind of the progressive legacy when it comes to racial equity, racial equality. Put Gene Wilson in the rafters. He broke the color barrier in the big seven in basketball, along with uh, LeVan Squires from KU. And, and he's also part of some successful teams. Granted, he didn't have that on the court success necessarily. I think he averaged like five points per game or something like that. But he did get to go to a final four. He did win a conference championship. And he did something that that's had a lasting legacy beyond anything that you could ever do on a basketball court, regardless of anything, you know, regardless of any stat that you could throw out there. So I'm going with Gene Wilson. I like it. That That is not one that uh, I've ever brought up, but I, I love that answer, Bob. 
We'll go to Joe next. Tough one to follow up, Joe, but who are you putting up into the rafters? Well, I will say this to start off because you can't acknowledge all of the incredible players that have been able to get on the court without some of those guys that did walk first or get through those, you know, fighting through a lot of the racial equity or a lot of the racial issues back in the day. I mean, you can't think about all the great players we've had in our program that have benefited without thinking about the original player. So that is a great pick. And I just wanted to toss that out there real quick before I get into mine. But I'm going to jump forward and I'm going to say this. There's been tweets about it. There's been talks about it. There's been people talking about it. I am living for the renaissance of Kansas State basketball. We all think about Jerome Tang. We think about the incredible things he's already done in year one. What he did is unbelievable. It's unprecedented. Taking a roster that has two active scholarship players leading to the Elite Eight and re-sparking the culture of Kansas State basketball. The reason I'm going to pick my player is because he is the big centerpiece of what that did for Kansas State. Marquise Noel deserves to be in the Raptors, and I'll say this. Outside of just on the court, I mean, the kid had the biggest heart. He's the biggest competitor. Everybody knew who Marquise Noel was, regardless of the fact that he wasn't a top 10 NBA draft pick. Through that March Madness run, I don't know if Kansas State's had more eyes on them in the last two decades. I mean, they brought massive amounts of advertising money. The entire story, everything was picked up to say, this is what Kansas State basketball is. The reason I am so bent on Marquise Noel being up there is he is the founding guy that says, you know what? This is where it starts. He was the one that made the choice to stay at Kansas State and see what we could become with Jerome Tang. And now we talk about it. Tang's got a seven-year extension. There's four and five-star players coming in. And they look at that and say, look at the way he coaches his point guards. Look at the way he lets his players play with freedom. It's guys like Keontae Johnson, guys like Marquise Noel that are able to let that happen. That's why I'm going to run with the new kid. I'm going with Marquise Noel in the Raptors. There we go. Ace, you got two good uh, you know, arguments in front of you. How are you going to uh, wrap this one up? Who should be, outside of Jacob Pullen and Michael Beasley, the next guy to go up in the Raptors? I, I will say, to, to address the previous point, Marquise Noel absolutely deserves to be in the Raptors. However, there is one player who I believe deserves to, just in terms of time frame, be up before him. And he is also from my general time of being a K-State basketball fan. That's got to be Dean. Like It's got to be Dean Wade going up in the Raptors because, of course, he was a part of the, the big three. And, you know, just a lot of what Dean did is special. Plus, he was that, that, that <laughs> plus that NBA guy that he should be and I think that Marquise Noel definitely should be up in the rafters but I think that Dean Wade should go before him but of course you have the caveat of Pullen and Beasley belong up there probably about three years ago I absolutely love it I would put all three of those up I, I see Joe pointing up Joe what what do you want to say were you or were you just saying hey he needs to go I up. have a, I have a rebuttal first of okay. all he does deserve to go up but I have a rebuttal and the only thing I think about is that We've seen that this coaching staff, this administration, not necessarily this coaching staff, I apologize, this administration hasn't been the most willing to be like, all right, yeah, you know what? Get up there. You deserve this. You know, they've had to fight to get some guys up there that clearly deserve to have been up there or already currently up. My reason with Dean, Dean was incredible. He was part of that wave of the big three. You know, you saw what him, Cam Stokes, Barry Brown, all the guys on that court did that year. You know, you remember where you were at when K-State beat KU that year with the windmill dunk to finish that off. The only thing I have a hard time with considering is the way that things ended with Dean Wade. And obviously no Kansas State fan wanted them to say, you know what, play in the NCAA tournament and ruin your NBA chances or go down that road. 
But I almost feel like because it wasn't a, a beautiful send off into the sunset as a Kansas State legend in the eyes unanimously, it's going to be a lot harder for this administration to turn and say, you know what, Dean, you were the first guy we think of. And it's not because of Dean. It's not anything to do with him or how he played on the court. I personally think he does deserve to be up there. But I think that that's the argument you're going to get greeted with when Dean Wade is considered into that conversation. Is just, Oop, I, I did not actually mean to mute you. Uh, that 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 was a little bit of an accent. But hey. what I would say, what I would say, because I I am I am one of the leaders of the Dean Wade up there. Flip through that media guide that Bob Trollsby had and try to find how many people in the history of K-State basketball have been two-time first-team all-conference guys, and I'll leave it at that. We're going to move on into the final one. Didn't actually mean to mute you, but I needed to go to bat. I needed I needed to go to bat for Dean Wade uh, because I think I'm, uh, despite kind of harping on him early in this podcast, if people go back to the very early days of this podcast, I was a little harsh on Dean Wade, but two-time first-team All-Big 12, I think it's him and Jacob Pulling. That's it. That is it for first two-time first-team All-Big 12. We're going to end this one. Call your shot outside of KU and Iowa State. Who is K-State's number three rival? Another topic that has been talked about a lot on this show. We're going to start with you, Joe. Again, sorry for that for that mute. I didn't. I actually didn't mean to mute you, but we're going to start with you. Outside of KU and Iowa State, who is K-State's number three rival? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, Joe is cutting in and out. All right. So, Joe, if you can hear me, someone type this to Joe. Joe, we're going to come back to you. We're going to come back to you at the end. Um, yeah, we're, we're going to come back to Joe here at the end. He's going to go last on this one. Uh, you can leave and come back if you need to. Uh, we're going to go to we'll, – we'll go Bob Trollsby. Bob Trollsby gets a first shot at this one again. And then we'll go Ace. We'll end with Joe since he was cutting in and out a little bit. So, Bob – who is K-State's number three rival? Who are we fighting with on Twitter that week? I think it I think it goes in a rotation between the current conference members like TCU or Oklahoma to former conference members like Missouri and Nebraska. I, I feel like if it, it it has to be in the conference, though, my answer is for 2024 on, and my choice is going to be Colorado. I can see them joining the conference again, reigniting some old bad blood it already has for a lot of people bringing back memories of snowballs getting thrown with batteries inside of them when when K-Staters visited Folsom Field in the past. But I can see it almost having a similar dynamic to the dynamic between Coach Prime and Dan Lanning last week against Oregon, where Lanning leaned into the whole, hey, we're not flashy. We're not doing this for clicks. We do this the right way. We run our program like a business. And Coach Prime is all about the flash and this and that. And he could say he's not. But I can see there maybe being some some bad blood there uh, between Kleiman and, and Coach Prime in the future. Plus, we have the element of Dylan Edwards playing for Colorado, and that's going to bring up some some interesting dynamics here in the in the future. But I think it's more of a flavor of the week. It's like who are we fighting with on Twitter that that week is is more or less my answer. I like it. I like it. Ace, how about you? Who is K State's number three rival? To me, this was really easy. It's TCU. It's the battle for purple in, in the Big 12. And the main reason I say this is not only because they've gotten too big for their britches after being mid for several years, but they've also tried to try to take the purple crown from the people that, you know, actually kind of deserve the purple crown. And especially after this last year, I think this last year just sort of solidified it, especially if you were paying attention to the non-rev sports. But even going through all those, Football, we ended up losing to them and then beating them in the Big 12 championship. That led to a lot of bad blood. 
Then we ended up dropping out of the Big 12 tournament to TCU in basketball. The K-State women's team lost to one of the worst women's basketball teams I've ever seen in TCU. And yes, I'm still mad about it. And then in baseball, the Horn Frogs ended up bouncing the Wildcats out of the tournament in there. So just based off of competitive history, especially recently, I feel like TCU has sort of shot themselves up like very, very quickly. Plus, their fans are really, really damn annoying. (laughs) I love it. All right, Joe, we're going to give you another shot. Looks like I got you back. Who, in your opinion, is K-State's number three rival? We're going to try this. We're going to see how it goes. Wi-Fi is right now my number one rival, so I'll start there. Uh, I didn't hear the first two answers, so I don't want to jump on top of anybody else, but I will say this. I think when you look around the Big 12, there's a great argument to see what's on the horizon. And I'll try to, there we go. So the two teams that have been picked, they're both teams that, yes, there is an extra animosity. One, obviously, older with Colorado. There's a lot of bad blood there. And now moving into the future of the conference, that's a great rivalry to talk about. The team that I will talk about is one of the two that is just, you feel similar with this team. There's some type of extra animosity with it that I can't necessarily get away from. Stillwater, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. I know a lot of people feel similar to say like, hey, we're kind of one in the same. You know, you guys have Oklahoma, we have Kansas. We can all agree with that. But those games are must-watch TV. They're must-see TV. You don't see in a game like that where Mike Gundy gets 48 points dropped out on him in a shutout game. There has always been that extra chip on the shoulder in that game for me. And maybe that's a personal thing, but there's something about being able to hold that flag over Oklahoma State that I can't just quite move past. I like all three. I think uh, I think it all kind of ebbs and flows. So I really liked where you guys landed. Ultimately, how I scored that, you know, I I, I went with Joe. I, I liked his uniform, uh, Bob Trollsby. You know, I, I really agree with you with how you went with the rivals. I think Colorado is going to end up being it. And then Ace, you know, of of the ones mentioned, I think Dean Wade is the one who uh, who, who I think is should go up outside of those two of the three you guys mentioned. I actually might go to bat for Rodney Magruder uh, over anyone that you guys said, if I wasn't going with my guy, F.I. Reynolds. But the guy who I think had the second best argument in that round for every single one of them that he didn't win is Bob Trollsby. So he's getting the win for the entire show. I scored it with Ace and Joe just neck and neck. Uh, But boys, I had a lot of fun. But Bob is the winner. He's going to get the final word from you guys. Uh, but I th- I had fun doing this. We'll see what the Boneheads think. This might be a recurring thing. And if it is, don't worry. Everyone will have a repeat re- performance appearance at some point. But, Bob, you're our inaugural winner. Take it away. The time is yours. Shout out to Tony Reale, Woody Page, Jackie Mack, Tim Kalashaw, just I, I remember watching around the horn as a, as a middle schooler and high schooler every day I came back from, from school. So love around the horn. This is a great concept, Scott. Thanks a ton for having us on. Look, I have a bone to pick with some of our fellow K-Staters about something incredibly, incredibly, incredibly meaningless. And it's a stupid grammatical thing. But if you go to the varsity truck late at night, you are ordering a mac and cheese grilled cheese, not a grilled cheese mac and cheese. Think about it. Mac and cheese grilled cheese is when you have mac and cheese on a grilled cheese sandwich. If you really ordered a grilled cheese mac and cheese, that would be served in a bowl. Probably have some soggy toast bits inside of it. You know, it's just not right. Like if you order a chili dog, you'd expect chili to be on the hot dog, not hot dogs inside of a chili. So 
That's all I have to say about that. Look at their menu online also. It's a, it's a mac and cheese grilled cheese, not a grilled cheese mac and cheese. That's my lecture. Check out my podcast, Cocaine Willie. Subscribe to us on YouTube. We're trying to get rich. There we go. That that could not have gone any better. So again, we got Bob from Cocaine Willie. We got Ace from the Aggieville Alley Cats. We got Joe from his own budding YouTube superstardom and his work at Heartland College Sports. Make sure you're checking out all of these talented gentlemen. Let me know if you guys like this concept. If it is, it's something we're going to do again. If you didn't, I still probably will do it again because I enjoyed myself. And really, this show is about me having fun. And I just happened to get a lot of people to listen. So for my guests, for my sponsors, Manhattan Brewing Company, the best craft brewery in the state of Kansas, and I think the entire region, and Charlie Hustle, Vintage Made Fresh. Check them out, charliehustle.com. And of course, the best dog in the world, Chauncey Bosco. We love you guys, and go Cats. Hail to the purple, hail to the white, wildcat in spirit, wildcat in fight. Hail alma mater, from sea to sea, onward Fight UK State Wildcats for alma mater fights. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be a fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Fight, 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 fight. UK State Wildcats for alma mater fight. Network.